0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. Do you love your pastors? Yeah. Oh, do you love your pastors? Yeah. I love your pastors. Oh, I love them. Uh, this is my 30th time preaching here, and that may not make sense to you, but it will in a second. Uh, during uh, the pandemic, during COVID, uh, we're a mobile church. We met at Los Alamos High School on Sunday mornings before COVID came, and now we're meeting at a, a, a church in Walnut Creek on Saturday nights. And uh, We were homeless. And when you're homeless, you're always looking for a pad to crash at, you know what I'm saying? And uh, family lets you crash at their pad. And Matt told me, he called me, he goes, hey man, if you guys need a place to record, you need a place to preach, you can use our place. We set up our screen right here. I sat on a stool right there for Months preached from this place, didn't charge us a dime. I owe you some money, man. You ain't never gonna see it, but I owe you some money. I'm gonna pay you in hugs. Uh, oh, I love Fountain, and I don't say this lightly. There's a handful of churches that I can count on one hand that uh, my heart is knitted to, that I pray for, that I believe great things for, and it's Fountain Church. Uh, your pastors, I gotta give some honor real quick to Matt and Jackie. Uh, I was praying all week. Didn't know you guys were in the Beatitudes, so this is just kind of a coincidence, but uh, it's weird how the Lord does that. Uh, but uh, there's this Beatitude that says, Blessed are the pure, for they shall, shall see God. And uh, I just got to say, you guys got some pure pastors. Their motives are pure. Oh There's something about what David says, Search my heart. If you know not he's always searching his heart. God, am I doing what you want me to do? Even the way we process conversations, just always go, Lord, is this pleasing to my God? And I love the promise that it comes to your leaders, this is blessed with the earth, for they shall see God, found church, you're going to see God, you see God do some great things here, uh, I just again, expand your expectations expand what you believe what God can do uh, in you and through you uh, at this great church, oh you're part of a great church, do you love your church? come on, come on, uh, I got 40 minutes and a 60 minute message do you believe in miracles? some of you do, okay okay, he can split red seas, he can shorten messages, I believe it um, if you are brand new to this whole church thing, uh, I'm going to teach you how to thing called the Bible. Sixty-six six books written by forty authors. It is perfect. It is a love letter to His people. Talks about this one man named Jesus, fully man, fully God, uh, came to Earth to die for you and I, so we could live a life we never should have been able to live. Who paid a price that we should have paid. Ooh, it's an amazing story. Check it out. If you want a free Bible? Man, we will buy you one. Sound good? I'm just chalking up my, my, my fees. Um, so. I want to teach out of the gospel uh, today of John. It's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John's my favorite gospel of the four. It's Jesus' best friend. And he just talks about his God, talks about Jesus. And uh title of my message, I have two titles, Knowing God, and then also clarity, uh, Confusion to Clarity, excuse me. Now, I think there is this rhythm in the Bible. I love rhythms in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, God is trying to get people's attention just to get to know him. In Hosea 6, it says, oh, that you would know me. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. People will not perish for a lack of talent, a lack of academics, a lack of money. No, a lack of knowing God. It says in Daniel that those who know God have an energy for God. I would submit to you, if you're not a passionate Christian, you just don't know how good God is. Some we say at our church all the time is uh, our goal is for people to taste and see the Lord is good. I love in Revelation it talks about the uh, lukewarm church. It says uh, the antidote for that lukewarmness is this. Jesus says, ooh, if you just have a meal with me. He says, I knock on the door, just eat with me. It's kind of when I took Rachel on our first date, I said, I knew. Once I went on one date with Rachel, she was mine. She'd be like, oh, dang, he's good. Uh, and what happens is when you have a meal with the Lord, woo, you never want to go back. When you get to know your God, you'll have some energy. You'll have some passion protect you from pitfalls you never thought you could be protected from. Now, uh, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to teach on this thing called clarity. Man, people need clarity. There's chaos going on, confusion going on. Uh, anybody want some clarity today? Uh, John 11 is a great chapter on clarity. So I'm going to teach from. Just give you a little context before I pray. Uh, <laughs> it is Jesus' last miraculous sign in the Gospel of John. And Jesus had a lot of good miracles in John. Woo! He started to turn water into wine. He came to a party, he turned it all the way up. Come on now. We serve a God who likes the party. Heaven is not a church service like the old school ones. It is like this kind of one. It's turned all the way up. It's a party. It's a celebration. It's a great banquet. So Jesus shows that picture. So I I was in your service today. I was like, dang, am I at church? or am I at a party right now? Oh, we had a party. It's called Fountain Church. Come on now. Uh, And so he does that. He he takes a blind man and has him see. He walks on water. He takes a few fish and loaves and, and, and multiplies them and creates a great fish fry for thousands. But his last miraculous sign, I believe it's a doozy. He's going out with a bang before the cross. This is his last miraculous sign before the cross and before death, and it's this. He raises a dead man to life named Lazarus. Do you know that the religious people, when this happens, they made a committee on how to kill Jesus? I don't know about you, but if somebody gets raised from the dead, I'm not starting a committee. I'm going to bake a cake. (laughs) The problem is with religious people is they don't like change, and they don't like new things. Man, if you are going to follow God, get ready to change and get ready to say new things. New mercy, new grace, new promises, new breakthroughs. You want something new today, Fountain Church? Yeah. We you bow your heads to me? God, I thank you for what you're doing uh, at this amazing house. Lord, I do, I believe that there are graces on houses. And Lord, I thank you for the grace on this house. Lord, it is uniquely knitted for this region. The least church region in all the U.S. And you placed a lampstand called Fountain Church here. Well, Lord, I thank you that I get to be a part of this, uh, uh, this story. I thank you that uh, I get to come be a, a donkey today and just have, uh, be used by you. May my words fall to the floor and your words soar. Everybody said? Amen. Give me an amen. Come on. Amen. Okay, so confusion to clarity. Let's let make some sense of this real quick. Now, uh, Uncle Biden, also known as President Biden, uh, sent me $2,800 last week. Anybody get some money? Come on now. Woo, Jehovah Jireh. I don't care what your politics are. Free money is free money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Throw your politics out the door. When you get an automatic deposit of $2,800, you're like, "Woo! the Lord has provided. Um, now, uh, when I got the $2,800, we were what do we do with this $2,800? You know, so I go on Instagram, and you know, these pastors are like, here's what you do with your uh, uh, stimulus thing. First of all, you got to tie I'm like, okay, okay. Uh, second thing you got to do is you got to invest it in a Roth IRA. I'm out. Um, <laughs> we're going to go buy some furniture, okay? We needed some furniture. Uh, we need some backyard furniture specifically. So we wanted to buy some, um, uh, a fire pit and some Adirondack chairs. So we went into Patio World and a fire pit there. It was like three grand. I was like, I'm out. Uh, President Biden needs to give me a bigger uh, stimulus for that, uh, that fire pit. So we go to Costco. Costco. Costco got some good deals. Am I right? Shout out to Costco. Um, and so uh, we get a fire pit from Costco, and then we got to get some Adirondack chairs. So um, we call Ace Hardware. And uh, if you want to know what an Adirondack chair is real quick, that's what an Adirondack chair is. Weirdest name for a chair. This is called a stool. That is a chair, dining room chair. Somebody's like, I want this to be called Adirondack. Um, it's weird, but that's the name, okay? So um, I call Ace Hardware, and I um, get the um, person just who answers phones there. And they're like, hello, Ace Hardware. I was like, yeah, could, um, uh, could you check? Do you guys have any Adirondack chairs? Out of what? Um, they're like, for the patio, you sit on them, Adirondack chairs? Uh, oh, hold on a second. I'll try to transfer you to the patio world, uh, the patio spot. And so they transfer you to the patio garden. Uh, you know, the guy answers the phone. Yeah, uh, this is the patio, uh, um, garden center. Yeah, do you guys have any Adirondack chairs? of what? And then I start, like, am I not saying it right? Adirondack chairs or Adirondack? It's something like that. And the guy goes, ergonomic chairs? And I was like, do you have a manager? Basically, I was like, put daddy on the phone. Um, and so... So he gets to me, the manager, and the manager's like, yeah, hey, hey, this is the manager. Yeah, do you guys have any anorotic chairs? Oh, you know, uh, Spring's around the corner. We'll be here in about a month. We don't have any right now. We still have some plastic chairs. Like, okay, um, uh, thank you so much. Hang up the phone. So we decided to go to Ashley Furniture. Again, $2,800. We didn't go to RH, Restoration Rated Hardware. That'd be $28,000. Um, so we go to Ashley Furniture. I walk in, and this is all I ask. I walk in, and I say, do you guys have any patio furniture? Patio? I looked at Rachel. What, am I? Do I speak a different language now? <laughs> I, I, patio. I was like, yeah. Patio? Like, am my saying patio? Like like patio furniture. And then another worker's in the very back. His name's like, hey, hey I'm Mike. I'll, I'll show you the patio furniture. And I'm walking over there. I'm like, Rachel, what kind of person doesn't know they have patio furniture in a furniture store, you know? So he shows the furniture store at Ashley Furniture. And, and I remember walking out of there, and I was, I was just angry, you know? And, and Rachel's way more gracious than I am, but I'm just, I'm frustrated. I was like, man, I was like man, I want to give people my stimulus money today. And nobody wanted my stimulus money. So I went on Amazon. Amazon. They wanted my money. They took it fast. And around bam, got them shipped, okay? I was trying to give store the chance, but Amazon, man, they're just doing it so good. So um, I'm sitting there. I'm like, what kind of manager hires somebody at Ashley Furniture, gives them a Ashley Furniture badge and says, all right, you're going to help people today. And then I walk in and I ask for patio furniture, they don't know where it is. I feel like if I'm the manager of Ashley Furniture and you're brand new to the team, I'm gonna go like this. Hey, come walk with me real quick. These are called recliners. They see people sit in them and they recline. Okay, okay, okay. Follow me over here. This is called a bed. This is where you sleep. Ah, go ahead. Lay down. Ah, okay. Bed, bed. Stay with me. Bed, bed. Okay, good, good. Now this is patio furniture, maybe patio, whatever way you want to say it. This is outdoor stuff. Okay, okay. Do you know where everything is now? Yeah, okay, stand up front. What's crazy to me is, uh, I Googled this recently, 240 million people supposedly are Christians in America. There's only 300-something million people in America. That basically means two out of three people are Christians. Uh, I didn't know we had a revival. The email did not go out, because here's the reality. There's a lot of confused people who think uh, what it means to be a Christian. Lot of different ideas of who Jesus is, right. Right. and the reason why there's so much confusion right now, like, whoa, I, I want peace. We well, talk to one Christian, and a Christian will say, Oh, you just need to work on your aura, you know what I'm saying? Just be good and get good, you know. Like, and the, they'll, they'll share a, a, um, a Pinterest quote with you, not scripture. And the reality is, why there's so much confusion right now is not a lot of Christians have walked with Jesus, they don't know God. Because if you walk with Jesus, you just go, Hey, welcome, real quick, welcome to the team. Here's your uh, here's your Ashley Furniture Jesus badge. Uh, this right here this is called Peace on the Prince of Peace. When people ask for peace, here's where you send them. You send them to me. Hey, come come follow me. This is power. I'm gonna tell you about the Holy Spirit real quick. I send the Holy Spirit. Oof. You're not gonna be able to do life on your own. You need the Spirit to lead you. Come on now. Hey, come follow me. This is called grace. Woo, This is grace. We're gonna like grace. When people need it. When they feel weak, you gotta tell them to boast in their weakness because my grace will be sufficient. It is. Oof. It's against. Uh, it's against effort. Uh, but it's not. Uh, it's against earning. But it's not against effort. Ooh, keep, keep trying, but ooh, my grace is good. So you just walk you through the whole thing of the kingdom. John 11, this is what I love about Jesus. He is trying to clear, uh, clarify some stuff about who he is and how he operates. I see a lot of frustrated Christians because they're just confused. Do you want some clarity today? Let's go to the scripture. I think that's the best place to find clarity. John 11 is where I'm at today. John 11, John 11. Here we go. It says this in John 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Stop. I just got to bring some clarity to who this group is. Now, you got to understand something. These aren't just some people, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. These are Jesus' best friends. This is his inner circle. Uh, To put into context, this is his lunch crew after church be like after church on Sunday. Jesus, where are we going? Oh, let's go to Urban Plates today. You know, so Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jesus, they go to Urban Plates. You know, they'll bring a few of the disciples. These were his best friends. He's he going to go to somebody's house for dinner? He's going to Martha's because she makes the best food. Come on now. Uh, Thanksgiving, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Fourth of July, let's set it off. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Hey, we're going to Tahoe. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. I mean, these are his best friends. You even see in the text and how it's described, the one you love. Don't even put his name down, Martha says. Just write the one you love. If you told me, just some that this, your best friend is sick, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I, and if you told me my best friend was sick, I'd drop everything out of the hat because I love my best friend. Let me, let me clarify something real quick. Jesus loves his best friends. Let's keep going. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end to death. No, it is for God's glory that, that God's son may be glorified through it. This is my first clarity thing I want to bring in. It's not, it's not a warm hug clarity, but it's just the reality of what it means to live on this side of, uh, of heaven, on this side of the grave. Uh, and it says, uh, I, I wrote this down. Uh, I can't tell you why all bad things happen, but I can tell you that all bad things that happen to you can be used for God's glory. Now, now here's what I mean by that. Uh, some Christians think that, Lord, if you love me, nothing bad will happen. Lord, if you love me, my circumstances will always be perfect. Well, let's just rewind. Lazarus is his best friend. He loves Lazarus. They went to the Tahoe together. Airbnb, all of the above. They are best friends, and he allows Lazarus to get sick. Some of you in the house, you've processed how God loves you through your circumstances. That's not how you should process it at all. Some of you process this way. Uh, they didn't write this. Uh, Jesus, the one who serves in kids' ministry every Sunday, is sick. The most obedient one is sick. The kindest one is sick. No, they don't, they don't try to give the achievements. Just some of this. The one you love is sick. So many of us want to have this merit badge with the Lord so we can have this life that we're trying to control. Ooh, can I just tell you something? Release it. Things are going to happen in your life, and I can't tell you why, but I can tell you this. God can use it for his glory. One of the greatest lies the enemy gives to uh, people is this. Your purpose, uh, your pain has no purpose. Oh, your pain has a purpose. Come on now. Let's keep going. Uh, and then uh, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea a rabbi that said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, yet you are going back. Jesus goes on to tell them all these things, confusing again. Hey, there's light in the day and there's darkness. Just being light, we're going to be all good. They're like, okay, we'll go. Fast forward to verse 14. Uh, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I think this is hilarious. Uh, the disciples give me hope. They are the ice hardware kid. They were like, add a rack? Add a what? Uh, uh, put daddy on the phone. Okay. Um, verse 12 says, his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus told them, hey, Lazarus is asleep. And they're like, well, if he's asleep, just have him take a nap, Jesus. And he's like, oh, my goodness, you guys don't get it. You don't get it. Take a walk with me real quick. When I said he's asleep, I said he's dead. Can I just tell you something real quick? Sleepy Christians might as well be dead Christians. Jesus like, means the same thing to me. Sleep, dead, don't matter, not doing nothing. So, so, so the verbiage is just very common with Jesus. And they're like, what do you I thought he was just taking a nap. He's like, no, no, no. So he had to plainly say, here, give me the phone. Lazarus is dead. So he clarifies this confusion real quick with him. Goes on to uh, say, this is my next point real quick. Jesus brings clarity on his love. He Br- brings clarity on his love. A uh, little Tyler Johnson original quote. I uh, worked on it. It's solid. You can take it or you can leave it. Here you go. Ready? Uh, the proof that Jesus loves you isn't found in your circumstance. It is found in the cross. It is found in the cross. Uh, let me uh, tell you something real quick. Uh, I've passed now for 18 years, and I'll... Meet people for coffee, and I'll hear this a lot. I mean, this is a common thing in coffees. Uh, what's going on? My job right now? My family or this? I thought God loved me. Oof. You are going to be a frustrated Christian because you're confused right now that you think your circumstance shows how much God loves you. Man, the cross shows how much God loves you. Can I submit to you on the flip side of that coin? Actually, I think that, um, your circumstances actually exposes how much you love God. Uh, I, 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 I got to... Rewind a little bit and give you a little context. I believe that there is a clarity that happens when Jesus walks into rooms. Uh, there are three types of people in the U.S. And I'm going to, again, generalizations are never perfect, so, but I do believe this merits a generalization. There are haters in the U.S. towards Jesus, just haters. I grew up a hater, to be honest. I didn't grow up in church. I thought church was weird. I thought you were judgmental, uh, uh, weirdos. I'm just keeping it real. But then I became a pastor. Joke's on me. Um, uh, Found out that Jesus was amazing, and there was amazing churches and amazing Christians. Uh, But at first, I hated church, hated worship, hated all of it. I was a hater. And then I became a user. And users are are simply this. I remember just uh, using God on my bad days and using God to get things. Oh, God, uh, sophomore, oh, God, I, I'm trying out for the varsity team. Uh, I hope I make every basket. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. That's what, those are my prayers, just using God to get somewhere. And then I became a lover of Jesus. Amen. Woo! Fell in love with his mission. Fell in love with his presence. Fell in love with his word. Oh, I love his bride. I love the church. Can I just tell you, anybody who've ever been hurt by somebody in church, do not let a man or woman have you hate his bride. Yes. Woo! The church yeah. is the greatest place to get restored, and it's also the scariest place to get hurt. Yeah. Have some fun. Like that, Okay. <laughs> So you have these three guys. Let's go in the Old Testament. Let's look at the circumstances. I, I think this is powerful to share uh, for this morning. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. For the children's ministry people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Winnebago. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> these three guys, and they love God. Oh, they love God. So the, uh, the king of this time says, you got to worship this idol. And they're like, we ain't worshiping that idol. We love our God. We don't worship anybody else but the one we love. And so what happens? They get arrested. Oh, God, I love you. I'm, been, I'm living for you, and you have me get arrested. Not only that, they, they love him so much that they double down on it. Oh, we love him so much. Oh, if you don't bow down to this idol, I will throw in the furnace. Hey, do what you got to do. I love my God. Throw him in the furnace. What happens about this and what I love is they get thrown in the furnace. You know the story. They just start dancing in the furnace. Like, is, are they dancing with somebody in there, you know? Are they, are they popping and locking, you know? Are they doing something, you know? A little, little temptation. My God, my God, talking about my God. I'm tone deaf. I forgive me, forgive me. Uh, but they start dancing. They come out. No singe, no smell of smoke. Can I submit to you those kind of miracles maybe aren't around as much today is because there isn't that kind of love around today. Because that kind of love... Oof. God, I love you enough to come to church, but I don't love you enough to actually follow you Monday through Saturday. And I want to be able to follow my God through the fire. Not only follow him through the fire, but then dance with him in the fire. And after dancing with the fire, come out of the fire and tell you how the fire didn't destroy me. Some of you, can I just tell you real quick, uh, some of you have been through fires and people would never know because you don't smell like it and you don't look like it. You want to know why? Because you know you're Jesus. that's a testimony. I'll talk to people at church and they've been through a terrible divorce, you know, terrible betrayal, and they have more joy than people that uh, have never been through anything like them. Oh, it's because they know their God. They know their God loves them through the cross. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's keep going. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus. I just think that's cold-blooded of John right there, right in there. You know, Thomas, he also was called Didymus, by the way. It's a terrible name. Any Didymuses in the house? Didn't think so. It's a terrible name. But he just throws it in there. You got to watch for those cold blood things. Thomas, is like, why you got to put my old name in there, man? Just call me Thomas. Thomas, also known as Didymus, uh, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Stop. This is real quick context. So, Jewish tradition, Jewish legend, Jewish fact uh, that they believed was for three days a person could be raised from the dead. The Spirit hovered for three days. So, for three days there was hope. For three days there was faith. For three days there was expectation. Day four by hope, by faith. Hey, pack it up. It's over. Hey, we believe for Lazarus for three days. Day four, he's done. Hope's gone. Faith is gone. Can I tell you something real quick? In this room, everybody's got a Lazarus. Everybody's had something that has died. Oh, the the pastor in me that has met with people, ooh, one of the things that I want to do all the time is help them raise their Lazarus back to life. And and can I submit to you one reason why maybe you haven't seen God move yet is because he doesn't want to answer your superstitious Christianity. Because right here, Jesus says, I'm not going to come on day three because they're believing in this super. Well, if I do one plus one equals two, then Jesus will raise uh, my, uh, my man. Ooh, but on day four, uh-oh, it's over. I love, I love the way God works at this. Let's keep going. Now, Bethany was less than two miles away, and the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Stop. You're going to see Martha say, if you would have been here. Oh, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. If you go back to the text, you'll see this. and It's a fascinating thing. Jesus gets word, hey, Lazarus is about to die. He's on his last breaths. Now, if you've ever lived any amount of life, one of the worst things to be is in a hospital room watching somebody take their last breath. It's, it's a very sad moment. Seeing people unplugged, it's a sad moment. So, so I don't think I need to unpack, like, the gravity of what Mary and Martha are sent, sending to Jesus. And the scripture says that Jesus stayed where he was at for two more days. So Martha comes up and says, you would have been here. You stayed there for two days. She, she's confused by Jesus' clock. She would have been, I, I'm, this, Again, another, a confusion. God, why would you stay someplace two days? If you told me my best friend was sick, I'd be there in two seconds. I'd drop this mic right now. I got to go. Peace out. Pastor Matt, you better have something in your back pocket. I'm ready to go. I got to go. But Jesus stays there for two days. My wife, uh, been married for nine years. I got to give a shout out. Rachel Johnson right here. That's my baby girl, my boo-boo. All uh, uh, her name is Boo. I am known as Booshki, okay? Uh, no diddy-miss in our family. Uh, but uh, best nine years of my life. We've had an amazing nine years. I love my wife. She's hilarious. She is, like, unbelievably witty. Uh, nobody makes fun of me like Rachel does. She, I mean, she gets at me in ways. She's, I mean, she makes me feel so dumb sometimes in all the right ways. You know what I'm saying? Um, makes me cry sometimes, but she's hilarious. Like, she's cold-blooded. Um, uh, Loves loves guy movies, you know. Like I'll be like, "What do you want to watch?" She's like, "I want to watch like um, Pacific Rim." I was like, "What is that?" It's this movie where robots fight. I'm like, "You want to watch that kind of movie?" Gosh, I love you, girl. Um, so I love Rachel. Now my my love language is quality time. It's quality time. So I just love being with Rachel. Never So so what fills my tank is us just sitting here by each other, and going like this, and just, we could be we could be at a coffee shop. nine time, just like oh my gosh, I'm just having the best time. And then like one of my favorite things is watching movies. Avengers: Endgame. We watched like 20 times. Just put on. Let's watch Avengers. It's like okay, and just sit there I'm like. Oh. It's the best day. I love my wife. Oh, I love her. But this girl don't know how to get on time to nowhere. She is late to everything. She don't have the clock that I got. And so the first five years of our marriage, woo, a lot of fights on the clock, you know. And so this is what would happen. This was the rhythm our first five years. Let's keep it real with you. So I was trained to be early. Five minutes early is on time. On time is uh, late. Five minutes late, don't even show up. Rachel's is like, "You're welcome. I came." You know what I'm saying? She got trained. She's like, "Congratulations! I showed up." You know, um, <laughs> totally different training, and so. First, I used that back. I finally was like, you know, I'm just gonna go sit in the car, Rachel. I'm gonna go sit in the car. She's like, okay, you know, I sit in the car. I'm like, she don't respect me. She does not love me. She, you know, she she loved me. She'd be on time. You know, she does not respect the people who are going to meet right now. She don't love nobody. I, I'm just going off, you know. And then she get in the car. I'm like, are you ready to go? She's like, what's the big deal? I was like, we're 30 minutes late. She's like, it's a barbecue, Tyler. Nobody shows up on time to a barbecue. I was like, no, 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 oh, nobody. I do. Tyler shows up on time to a barbecue. You can count on me. I'll be there early flipping the patties. Okay. And so for five years, ooh, we fought all the time. Finally, finally, I just surrendered to the clock. Finally, I was like, you know, my girl's got a different clock. So, you know, I'd go sit in the car, just put on some worship music and just hang out with Jesus. All right, you know, Lord, she's giving me a gift of hanging out with you, I guess. It's all good. It's all good. Not only that, I created different mechanisms. I lie to my wife now sometimes. When I tell her that uh, we have to leave at 145, uh, it really, we need to leave at two. I give myself 15. So she'll come out. she I'm sorry I'm late. I'm like, no, we actually on time, girl. You got punked, okay? Uh, uh, so yeah, I, I, I love, yeah. So, wisdom, pass it on. Uh, and so, so, uh, so I just surrendered her clock though now. So nine years, easy. We don't fight about it no more. I've been a follower of Jesus now for about 22 years. 22 years. Pastor 17. Can I just tell you something real quick? I very rarely heard this testimony from people. Hey, Pastor Todd, guess what? What? Jesus was early again. Early on that miracle, early on the promotion, early on the healing. Woo, he's always early. I very rarely hear that. I hear, Oof. Man, I'm still believing. And then finally I hear, Tyler, it finally happened. Oh, and because I had to wait, I'm a way better husband, follower, son. Oh, God stretched me in those moments. He developed me in those moments. Oh, if he would have been early, I would not be the follower that I am. Oof. Wow. Oh, but, oh, but he, he showed up. Can I just tell you something real quick? If Jesus showed up early every time, he'd be a terrible Christian. If Jesus showed up early all the time, he'd be a terrible husband. If Jesus showed up early all the time, he would not exceed your expectations. Uh, can, I, can I put it this way? If we had Jesus operate on our clock, it would look very human. God needs to be God. And the sooner you get out of this thing, I'm a good Christian, I'm doing everything, where are you at, God? Come on now, I've been praying, what's going on? I've been tithing, da da da, da. Instead, of, instead of doing that, going, God, I trust you. I surrender to your clock. A handful of years ago, I surrendered to God's clock. Man, I enjoy my life way more. Oh, I get developed way more. Does that sound good? So let's keep going. Uh, so now uh, he shows up, fashionably me late, uh, like my wife. I guess my wife is more like Jesus than I am, uh, who knew? Um, <laughs> We are both made in his image, that's what it says, and uh, my wife got the late image. Okay, here we go. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again, Martha answered. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the, uh, at the last day. I think it's just kind of funny. Uh, Martha, if she had a car in these days, they'd have all the Christian bumper stickers. God's never late. He's always on time. God is good all the time and all the time. Yeah, she knows all those, okay? You know, she's, I mean, she knows all the sayings. Because right now, like, Jesus is coming up, her brother dies, she's like, I know he's gonna rise again. It's all good. It's cool. It's cool, God. Martha, you need a, You need more mourn a little bit. Martha, Martha, and I love what Jesus says. He goes straight through the bumper sticker statement. He says this. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Next thing that Jesus brings clarity to is this. Jesus brings clarity what faith really is. What Faith re- Faith isn't a bumper sticker statement. It's not a bumper sticker just knowing all the things. You know the, the um, Bible says in the end times that we'll have the portrayal of godliness. You know what the portrayal of godliness is? Hearing a verse on a Sunday and then just throwing it out during the week when you know you're supposed to throw it out. Oh man, you know, I had a hard week. Hey, Hang in there, man. Psalm 23. Walk through the valley. Am I right? All right. God bless you, man. A, what? Huh? It's a portrayal of godliness. Real, real knowing God. Real real clarity is going, God, I, I trust you. I have a faith in you. I wrote this down real quick. Faith is not controlling God, but trusting God in his plan. I, um, I remember, you know, going to church the first time, and I, I'm I'm competitive by nature, so I just, I, lo- I love winning, so I want to be a winner, so in high school, I just, every decision I made was like what I'd call a winning decision, like I just wanted to be a winner, so I didn't um, smoke or drink or anything like that, wasn't even really Christian, I just thought it wasn't, that wasn't a winning decision in life, you know, I didn't think like, oh, I'm so drunk right now, I was winning, so I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that, um, I, I, I literally decided to wait until uh, marriage even, I thought that was a winning decision, the decision. Um, uh, all, all those kind of things in high school, um, and even today, if you and I were walking to that door, and we we're having a conversation, you need to know something, I'm racing you as we're talking. I'm going to walk through the door first, like I'm winning. Like, why are you walking in front of me? No, don't worry about it. Let's just keep talking. And then when I walk through that door, I'm like, victory, you know, Um, everything, everything. I'm just, I'm, I'm competitive. So when I said yes to Jesus, I took that mindset into Christianity and God needed to renew that mindset because I started to read the Bible, not to fall in love with God, but to control God. I started to use faith as a controlling mechanism, not a following mechanism. I put it that way. And so uh, I remember learning about tithing for the first time, you know, and so there are amazing principles of tithing. I remember hearing, you know, do you want 100% cursed or 90% blessed? The Bible says, Malachi, that those who bring the tithe to the storehouse, heaven will open up. People who don't bring the tithe to the storehouse, heaven will shut down. I'm like, I don't want heaven shutting down. I want heaven to open up. I want 90% blessed so God can do more than my 90%. So I remember like, oh, I'm going to be a winner. I'm going to be a winner. So my motives even to give were not even the right motives at the moment. I was trying to control God. So I remember the first time I gave $100. I was, I was in college, made $1,000 a month. Here's 100 bucks, God. And I was all right, here's my 90% blessed now. Oh, heaven's about to open up over my life. Bam! I remember walking out and you know saying all the all the Christian sayings. And uh, that week, I got Mariners box seat tickets Grew up in Seattle, Washington. And I was like, "Woo, Jehovah Jireh! Tithing does work." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was a like, hallelujah. If you're not tithing, you're messing up right now. I'm just gonna get us up. And then the following month, uh, I tithed again, and I was like, and it's like a million dollars to a college kid giving hundred dollars. you are making thousand dollars a month, and uh, I showed up to my softball game that day, and the guy who's on the team goes, "Hey, Ty, I feel like I'm supposed to give you this. It's like a three hundred dollar softball bat. And oh yeah, I'm so, I want to give you hundred twenty bucks." I was like, whoo, tithing is the best thing I've ever done in my life. And so for three months, I had stories like that. Month sixth, walked out to my car, got broken into. Well, I was mad at God. I was like, God, I I tithed. The 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 Bible says if I tithe, windows don't get broken. Heaven covers this car. Angels protect this car. I'm in a parking lot. Hey, lady, you tithe? No, your car should be broken into. This should be fine. Oh, I was so mad. I was so mad. And I went on this journey. I'll never forget it, going, Lord, if I tithe, this is not supposed to happen. And then I remember starting to pray for healing in my life. Lord, if I believe you enough, you'll heal me. If I believe you enough, you'll do this. So I started using faith as a controlling mechanism and not a following mechanism. I'll never forget the first time I prayed with everything I had and didn't see a man walk out of a wheelchair. And I was so mad at the Lord. I grew up in a Pentecostal movement church, so you know, I mean, we got people, you know, bring the wheelchair up here, you know. If you got doubt, get out, it was that kind of vibe, you know what I'm saying? And I remember just leaving, and I just I had to wrestle with it for a little bit. I had to bring clarity to it, because right now they're confused, like, Lord, like, we have faith, we love you, and this isn't working out the way I thought it would. Can I just tell you a quick? Faith isn't getting what you want at the, the moment that you're praying for it. Faith is trusting that you are going to get it one day because God is faithful to his promises. So if you're sick right now, you've been praying for healing. I just want to encourage you real quick, have more faith and keep praying. I, I, I got health issues. I'm believing that God's going to heal me on this side of the grave or in heaven. I'm cool with it. I trust my God. I'm falling to the end. Some of you, your faith is so circumstantial. Oh, you're going to be a confused, frustrated Christian. Don't let your faith be circumstantial. Maybe in Jesus. Sound good? Let's keep going. It's going to get my favorite part of the message right here. You, Buckle up! This is where it gets real good. Uh, yes, Lord," she replied. "I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come to the world." After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary side. "The teacher is here," she said, "and asking you." When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached that place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, "Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have." Died Died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. We're going to talk about that deeply moved in a little bit. Where, uh, where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Stop. This uh, Greek word is wept. It's not like a oh, oh, tear. It is wailing. It's like one of those cries you're like, ah, you ever cried and you want to go look at yourself in the mirror because you're crying so hard? Like, ah, oh my God, look at me. Anybody ever done that before? I have. You got them, well, that's that kind of cry Okay. he is wailing sobbing with them next point is some of this Jesus gives us clarity on how to minister to a broken world this is one of the most confusing but clarifying moments that in Jesus' ministry I've ever seen, you ready for this? It comes to Martha, Martha's brother just died she says if you would have been here my brother would not have died and he gives her truth, I'm the resurrection I'm the life I, I am resurrection Like basically I can, I'll take care of this Mary comes out, and she says, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Same exact statement, and he doesn't give her truth. He gives her tears, and he just weeps with her. Can I just submit to you real quick? A ministry with just tears is not a ministry of Jesus at all, and a ministry with just truth is not a ministry of Jesus at all, but a ministry with truth and tears is the ministry of Jesus. Let let me me submit it to you this way. Uh, In church, there are feelers and fixers. And uh, uh, fixers are these kind of people. Uh, I had the worst week. Uh, here's Psalm 23. Next question. Hey, uh, my, my husband, he, he left me. Uh, forgive him. Next question. Just trying to boom, truth, fix, fix, fix. like I, I, I'm bleeding out here. I just gave you the, the answer. I'm, I'm a fixer. I want to give you the truth real quick. You good? No, no I'm not good. And then you got feelers. I, I, I call them the tear people. And they're the ones like this. Well, your, your husband left you? Let's just sit here. Let's, let's cry about it. And then they cry with the person for 30 years, but never ask him to get up. From this moment. And what the problem with with being one or the other is it's just lacking the fullness of Jesus. Some of you got people in your life that are just feelers, and they just let you stay in the same valley forever. Because there ain't no party like a pity party, because a pity party don't stop. You know? And so, and so you got this these feelers around your life, but eventually, oh, you gotta feel with people, but then you gotta go, okay, it's time for us to get up. It's time for us to go on to the next chapter of our life, it's time for us to conquer what had happened. Oh, we cried about it, but now it's time for us to celebrate what God's gonna do. And some of you truth people who just want to fix people, oh, you had a bad week. Oh, well, God's good. Uh, I can't. But believe- hey, don't don't. Hey, don't you look sad right now? God's good, right? All the time. I thought it was all the time. Sometimes you just need to cry with people. And so Jesus is so good at knowing when to cry and when to speak truth. Now I'll submit to you this. When you first read this, you gotta go, woof! I'm not Jesus. I'm not omniscient. I don't know who to cry with and who to give truth. Am I walking up to somebody? Okay, what am I supposed to do, God? Okay, truth, no, knock it off. Which one am I supposed to do? You you may be kind of confused. I believe there's actually a biblical answer how we can be just like Jesus and minister to people with truth and tears. You want the answer? Here we go. First answer, spiritual and practical. Uh, I believe they can't be separated. Spiritual and practical, they're, they're power twins. You just can't get rid of either one. So spiritual answer is very simple. God gives us the Holy Spirit. And we are led by the Spirit, says in Romans. Um, so, man, pray more on how you just handle people and love people and shepherd people. So you've got you to pray more. I, I, I don't think we pray enough with what we should say to people. God, give me something. What do we what, what have? And sometimes it's like just, just cry with the person. You, you Literally, you'll have discernment. Trust that discernment. Second part is just very practical. And I, I want to share a story with you quick. Uh, very practical. But um, November 28th, I woke up in the middle of the night. And I woke up, like, spitting acid, and my esophagus was on fire. And um, ever since I was a teenager, my esophagus, um, I've had problems with it. it. It's like the size of a straw, so I have to get it uh, stretched out every five years. Um, so eating sometimes can be uh, difficult. So it's something I've had to deal with in my life. All good. Um, but this time, like, it was on a whole other level. It was burning, hurt to talk, hurt to breathe. And so I remember calling the doctor the next day. I was like, hey, um, uh, can I get in and get a procedure? My, uh, my esophagus is on fire. Um, I... I, I um, um, I had something weird happen last night. And later on the phone, I was like, okay, let me look at our calendar. Um, March 15th. We can get you March 15th. I was like, girl, it's December 1st. That's like four and a half months. I can't eat right now. I'm going to starve to death on your calendar. She's like, oh, yeah, good point. Okay, hold on a second. I'll tell him that, you're, you, know, that you can't eat. So she calls me back the next day. Yeah, um, sorry, doctor said it's still March 15th. He's too busy. And I was like, so is this my procedure? No, it's just a Zoom call, and then we'll schedule your procedure. So it'll be like in April. Yeah, I'm good. Bye, click, call my doctor buddy finally find a doctor that I can see me within a week. Um, and I go in, get the procedure. Uh, and of course, you know, you said I got to take some biopsies, got to make sure check on some things. One of the things they I check for is cancer. I don't have it. I'm fine. Um, but you know, they wanted to get a biopsy check for some things. So I have the procedure. I wake up from anesthesia. Uh, and the first thing I ask uh, and I, when I see the doctors, I wake up I'm like, is it, is it is it cancer? No, no, no. You don't have cancer. I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. He's like, I put everything on a sheet. What you have? Uh, you read the sheet, and, and you'll be good. And I remember, I remember, um, like, uh, you give me a sheet. What? And so the nurse is there. I'm like, uh, nurse, can I, can I please, can I please talk to the doctor? I, I, I got some questions. I want to know what's wrong with me. I want to know what I'm supposed to do. So the doctor comes back and he's like, yes. And I was like, so what's wrong with me? I, I got, I'm gonna give you some medicine. Let's see if this works. Um, and just read the sheet. And I'm like, oh, okay, bye. You know. And I remember, like, you know, I, after procedure, I'm like walking out of the car. I'm like, well, I, okay, I guess I'm gonna be better. But I. Doctor's too busy to talk to me. Third doctor, Dr. Lodwick. Meet with him and um, I remember going to the meeting and I was ready because I knew he was going to be busy. And so I had my questions ready and I was ready to maximize my time. And so I'm ready for him to be really intense because that's what I've experienced. And Dr. Lodwick literally sits down and this is how our meeting starts. He goes like this. I looked at your sheet, Tyler. You got EOE. You got a hyaluronid hernia. Some other things I saw in there. Tell me your story. You want, to, you want to know my story? And so I was like, I was born in Tacoma, Washington. Seahawks are my favorite football team. <laughs> I didn't do that; that'd be hilarious. And I, so I told my story. I said, you know, I woke up one night and this is happening, and my throat felt like it was on fire. And sir, just tell what I've been through. And this is him the whole time, just listening, so attentive. And then he says to me, he goes, Tyler, when people want to rest. They just sit down and breathe. And it hurts for you to breathe with this. If people want to rest, they have a meal. It hurts for you to eat. This is probably more emotionally devastating than you know. And I was like, it was Dr. Loneway. He started crying. out. Know? was like, you, you see me. You get me. It's like one of those moments, you know. And, um, and he said, Todd, we're going to go on a journey. EUA is a hard thing to, you know, uh, cure, but we're going to try to learn how to manage this. He felt with me got me on the journey to fix me I remember getting off that meeting and I was like man if Jesus was a doctor he'd be Dr. Ludwig and I was like Jesus do you work in Walnut Creek at an allergy place was, was that you are you double timing right now Christophany um, if I could just submit to you real quick to minister to a broken world people need to have those kind of moments if you're a school teacher make kids say if Jesus was a teacher he'd be that teacher if you're a business owner, I mean, people say if Jesus was a business owner; he'd be that kind of business owner. If you're a coworker with somebody, if Jesus was a coworker; he'd be that kind of coworker. Oh, if Jesus was a friend; he'd be that kind of friend. I think one reason why we have a hard time ministering to a broken world is we just don't stop to say, "Tell me your story." It's the long play to reach a region. It's the long play. I, I want to finish with this. The, the clock tells me I'm uh, 40 seconds to go. Uh, watch me work. Here we go. Um, this last moment to me shows me just the greatness of God, just the goodness of God, what he came to do. And it's simply this. For you to understand uh, what Jesus loves, I think sometimes you need to understand what he hates. And there's this interesting verse here in John 11:38. Uh, it says this, Jesus once more deeply moved. You'll see this twice, and you'll see this Greek word one more time in the Gospels. Once more deeply moved, come to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Now, in this text, you'll see a handful of things. People, when they see Jesus wailing and deeply moved, you hear people say, whoo, that guy really loved Lazarus. You'll literally see that in text. Wow, he really loved that guy. So people are witnessing Jesus do something. And so I sometimes say we read the text, but you gotta visualize even what's going on in the text. Jesus is at the tomb, and it says that he is wailing and deeply moved. That Greek word for deep, now the Greek Uh, the the New Testament's Greek, Old Testament, Hebrew, a little bit of Latin. And so when it's translated, the translation sometimes falls short. Like we just say love, but there's different levels of love. Agape, storge, eros. There's different levels of serving. Diakonos, the highest level. Offenses, scandalons, like being trapped. So it's just a bunch of Greek words that give a great picture of really what happens. So ours falls short sometimes. Deeply moved falls drastically short of what's happening right now. Some some translators say he was really angry. The translation any Greek scholar would say when they see this word was simply this. It means to yell, murmur or snarl and so picture this real quick Jesus brings clarity to what he's angry at he's not angry at Mary Martha for being sad he's not married to the people being broken up he's not mad at Lazarus for being dead oh but he's angry the the picture if I could show you real quick he's looking at the grave and he's crying and he's going he's literally snoring ah people like whoa he really loves Lazarus like something's going down right quick What's happening real quick is Jesus is angry at death. The Bible says we don't fight against uh, flesh and blood but principalities. And so Jesus comes to a funeral and it's his best friend. The one he would go to Tahoe with. And death has destroyed his best friend. And so he's angry. It would be like me painting a painting like this is my painting. Spending my whole life making this painting and you come up and set it on fire. I love this masterpiece. And you set it on fire, ah, I'd be mad. The Bible says in Ephesians that you are his masterpiece. And he is angry at sin and death because it is destroying his masterpiece. One scholar said it poetically that you got to look close to see this conversation between Jesus and death. Jesus is saying to death, ah, you will hurt my kids no more. You will hurt my friend no more. But you can also hear death say this. If you touch Lazarus, I get to touch you. If you interrupt this funeral, we're going to start your funeral. If you want to save this one, you got to give your own life. I'll show it to you in the text. It says this in John. John 11, it says this. John 11:53 53 says, So from that day they plotted to take his life. I believe when Jesus came to the tomb and he's snarling at death, he is snarling at all funerals. Death is not normal. You want to know why? It was not intended for mankind. It wasn't intended for the masterpiece. So Jesus comes to the funeral and says, "Ah, I'm interrupting all funerals from here out. I believe he's snarling at my own funeral, Tyler's funeral, and saying death will not have the final say on Tyler's life. Can I just be honest with you, quick? You know the things you're really angry about that's happened in your life? The things that you snarl at, the betrayals, the addictions, just the bad things. You know what Jesus is doing? He's snarling at them right with you. Ah, that addiction. Leave my son and daughter alone. Oh, that wound. Ah, leave them alone. Jesus comes in John 11 and says, let me bring some clarity real quick things that are hurting you, oh, they hurt me. C.S. Lewis says if you don't want to be hurt, take your heart and put it in a box and just leave it there. You'll die a slow, stale death. But if you want to love, oh, you've got to be vulnerable. He goes on to say that those who love the most will be hurt the most. I would submit to you that Jesus loved more than anybody else on this planet, and he was hurt the most on this planet. I want to know that God. I want clarity on how to navigate with that God and follow that God. On this Palm Sunday, may we not forget, That Jesus interrupted our funeral, but he started his own funeral. That he, he says to Lazarus, at the very end of this, I love this statement, take off the grave clothes. What's Lazarus supposed to put on? The Bible says, Lazarus gets put on the robe of righteousness. And Jesus put on the grave clothes. He took my grave clothes, put it on himself, and gave me his robe. I want that, God. Will you bury your heads with me? I don't know if it's your first time or second time uh, coming to church. You've never been to church, but you uh, just had this tug on your heart, man, I want this Jesus. You want to say yes to heaven, no to hell. Yes to blessing, no to cursing. You want to say yes to salvation. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. One of the ways that you can respond that way is just simply raise your hand and say, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to pray for you. So there, every head bowed and eye closed, you want to say yes to Jesus. I want you to just raise your hand and catch my eye. I want to say yes to Jesus. Raise it high. Come on, give me some boldness today. Raise it high. I see you. I see you. That's a great thing. I see you, and I see you. Come on now. I love it. I love it. Oh, I see you. Oof. See you on my left. God, we, oh, we give you our lives. I, I do. I believe that we are going to see a church uh, movement where there are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's. Where we say, Lord, we'll follow you anywhere, even the fire. Oh, Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us so well. Thank you for interrupting our funeral. Oh, Lord, we love you. Love you. Everybody said? Hey, Fountain Church, thank you so much. Much love for you. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at FountainChurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.